Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Hey, I'm Shauna Compton-Game. This is Millennial Money, and today we're talking with music artist Jesse Dayton. Jesse Dayton has lived an eclectic Forrest Gump-esque life and many times set those experiences to music. Whether he's working on a new record, writing music for a soundtrack, or directing a zombie movie, this Texas-born talent pours in all his charisma and charm into any project. Jesse's newest album, The Revealer, is a rich blend of Americana music narrative mixed with a full head of toe-tapping steam of rockin' mojo. Enjoy our chat with singer, songwriter, and director Jesse Dayton as we talk about his new album, being speechless in front of Johnny Cash, as I would probably be, and the genius that is Rob Zombie. I mean, Atlanta is, you know, such an amazing melting pot. There's so much kind of funky blues stuff that came out of this area of the South. There's a big history for it, you know? Right, exactly, exactly. Um, so last we spoke, you had, you had a new album. You're kicking off a tour um, and supporting that. Uh, tell us about that album and, and how how's it done so far since you released it. 
Man, the record's doing great. Um, we've been, you know, it's selling really good. It's doing, uh, you know, it's got it got on a lot of the year end list, and um, it was, you know, it's it's kind of just out in a way. I mean, I think it's been what three months. Yeah. And uh, so we still feel like we're we're working it, but we did. Uh, it's doing really good, man. We got uh, we got thrown in the uh, best Americana. Uh, pre-Grammy votes. We made it into the whatever it is, about 300 of those guys, I right. think, and right. didn't make the uh, the cut, but that was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the record's getting a ton of airplay. Our, our big saving grace has been uh, this Sirius XM Outlaw Country Station. Yeah. And that has really changed a lot because they play my stuff like every day mm-hmm. and I remember, you know, when they first really started playing it, like, I mean, they've always played it for, for about the past two years. Uh, we've been doing really good with that station and really selling tickets uh, because of it, which is kind of cool. I'll call my agent and go, hey, man, you sure this place isn't too big? And, <laughs> he'll, you know, what are the pre-sales like? Right. And he'll go, no, no, pre-sales are good. And I'll, uh, I'll go to the merch booth and hang out with people and sign stuff and, and almost every one of them says, "Man, we listen to you every day on XM Sirius Outlaw Country." Yeah, I think I think not only that station, but I think a lot of that XM stations have really taken off for a lot of alternative artists and other artists too, and stuff like that. It's a good breaking ground too. It really is. I mean, for you know, regardless of the genre, I like it because it's so. You know, uh, it's starting to cut into the pie. People are starting to get. Mm-hmm. Um, more in the niche stuff and 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 uh, things that they can't find and that, plus you don't have to listen to you know uh, truck and beer commercials every you know eight minutes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, that that's why I have it in my car. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so, well, t- well, tell us uh, the name of the album and tell us a little bit of the stories of uh, on the album as well. Well, the record is called the Revealer, and I got that from. Um, I was looking at these old uh, gospel slave hymns, and they had a song called The Revealer, and I love that concept, and, um, you know, I was raised in deep East Texas, and, uh, you know, I have uh, met a lot of characters there, a lot of the records about kind of my survivor's guilt to getting out of that, and and uh, all the people that I met that were, you know... Uh, just people that you really don't see anymore. Uh, some of the people that, uh, you know, I raised, raised me, my uncles and, uh, I had a, uh, a old Creole African-American woman named, uh, Miss Victoria who lived with our family and helped raise me. And, and, uh, a lot of that, she kind of turned me on to, you know, East Texas blues stuff and lightning Hopkins and gospel music and Mahalia Jackson and, and uh, so it's got it's got all those those kind of things in it, mm, right? Right. How else did she influence uh, uh, your your musical background too? Well, I mean, you know, when I got to school, uh, I was a little funkier than a lot of little white boys because I had been listening to uh, I had been listening to like you know Mance Liskum and all these uh, kind of East Texas country blues guitar players. Um. And I think, you know, all over Louisiana and East Texas, especially South Cajun country, Louisiana, mm-hmm. those records were real popular. So it kind of 
it kind of gives the record kind of a colloquial thing where you're like, wow, this is from a place. This is from somewhere. And, uh, and she influenced me a lot, a lot, man. I mean, she influenced me, you know, I went out and, you know, I went out in March the other day with a, about a hundred thousand other people in Atlanta. And I thought, you know, she was, she was there with me the whole time. Man. Right. Right. I asked, I saw that on your social media the other day. It was a, it was, I think it was, yeah. a, it was a good day for all, a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, it really was. And it's, you know, it's, uh. It's uh, there's a lot of reasons to be marching right now. Right. Um, so it's uh, and Atlanta has a great history of marching. So it was kind of cool to be here, mm-hmm. be around that. And, you know, we marched right past the MLK thing, mm-hmm. uh, exhibit downtown museum, right. rather. Um, so, you know, it was it was awesome. But, yeah, she I mean, a lot of that stuff, you know, she had an influence on me, my my dad, my uncles, my grandfather, all those old country guys, you know, I mean, I knew the, I could point out Merle Haggard, that's Merle Haggard, and that's Johnny Cash, and that's Willie Nelson when I was about four years old, <laughs> and, uh, you know, and uh, and then what's weird is I went on to play with those guys, mm-hmm. and, uh, and uh, you know, I got to play guitar on a, on a Waylon record, and mm-hmm. got to record with Cash, and Willie and and uh, and a lot of those guys and uh, you know it, you can tell uh, it, it, people people immediately go well that's a colloquial thing you were raised with that and it's it's kind of what makes me different than because I grew up on all the same rock and roll stuff everybody else did on the radio but uh, unlike a kid saying you know Des Moines. Uh, I could go see Johnny Paycheck sold out in my hometown on Sunday night, pretty much once a month. Mm-hmm. But then, so, but, but then, uh, what, what else influenced you? You growing up like as a teenager and stuff like that. What other music? Well, I mean, I was I was totally into rock and roll stuff. Yeah. You know, my older brother's music. You know, I was into ZZ Top and you know the Almond Brothers. By the way, Butch Trucks passed away today. The yeah, drummer I, for the Almonds. I, I saw that. Yeah, and then, you know, and then, like, right, you know, probably about uh, junior in high school, I went over to my buddy John Cook's house, and he had a record by a band called The Clash, and that just, uh, you know, that changed the whole thing. I was was like, oh, that's my brother's music. This is my music. Right, right. And uh, and I got, you know, I got into... you know, all kinds of crazy stuff after that. <laughs> you know, I mean, I was, you know, we were we were going to see punk rock shows in Houston and Austin, and um, it was such an exciting time in Austin then when I was that young because there was kind of this uh, kind of punk rockabilly cow punk thing that was really big and and. Uh, you know, it, it's the whole thing is just kind of uh, it's been an uh, an organic uh, <laughs> development every year. You know what I mean? Right, right, <laughs> right. Well, if, even though they they play you on on uh, Outlaw Country, what do you kind of um, not label yourself, but what do you describe yourself as? Man, you know, I it, it's it's a hard thing. You know, I mean, because I sing like a country guy and I play guitar to do different guitar stuff. And I got a lot of blues and mm-hmm. a lot of people call it Americana. 
I call it Jesse Dayton music, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right, right. I'm trying to like, cause I don't want to be the, I don't want to be the flag, you know, bearer or, or, you know, waving a banner for any genre. Mm-hmm. I want to do what's honest for me and, you know, make a hybrid of all the, the cool stuff that I grew up listening to, mm-hmm. you know? Um, cause I think that's the most honest thing, you know I mean? People call it outlaw country. I'm fixing to do this outlaw cruise mm-hmm. with, uh, Lucinda Williams and Steve Earl and the Mavericks and all that. And, you know, I don't, I've never heard any of those guys say I'm outlaw country. <laughs> exactly. Hey, exactly. Exactly. You know, whatever, uh, whatever people want to call it, it's cool with me. Right. You know? It's, it's a good way to have a bunch of eclectic kind of sound, but you know, that all everyone, and everyone's so individual too. It is. I mean, I think, you know, um, there's a lot of music out there, but there's still only, you know, a percentage of it that, that gets heard and the stuff that gets heard, you know, then you cut down to another percentage of, you know, are these, is this a real song? Is this songwriting is whatever, but I'm into all kinds of music, man. I like, uh, you know, I listen to everything and, uh, you know, I just, I, the reason why I talk and I mean, sing and play the way I do is because that's kind of the way I talk and the, who I am, you right. know what I mean? Right. Um, I had a guy in San Francisco come up to me at the merch booth and go, uh, dude, is that really your accent? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, immediately when they do that, you, you know, you have to, you have to, you know, reassure them that you're not banging your sister, you know, who's in, who's in the KKK, you know, you have, you have, uh, you know, you've read Weathering Heights three times, you're a romantic, it's okay, man. Right, 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 right. Uh, that, well, that's, that's when you want to practice your English accent and say, oh, no, no, it's actually not. <laughs> that would blow their mind. Right, exactly. Of course, of course there's not anything worse and a guy from Beaumont doing a cocktail. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, um, so uh, you're known as a guitar guru, uh, if you will. And when did, when did you pick up the guitar and how did you get into playing guitar? Man, I went, uh, you know, I had always played music, had a drum set. I took piano lessons and, and um, my parents, my dad was going on some business trip in Boulder, Colorado. And I knew that my older brother was going to stay home. He was a senior and I was like a freshman. I knew he was going to stay home and just have these raging parties at our house while my my parents were gone. And I was doing everything I could to stay home and not you know, my mom's like, oh, it's Colorado. You'll love it. You know, of course, and we'd been there eight times. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, so anyway, finally, the old man puts his foot down. He said, you're too young. You have to come with us. So I was bummed. I went with my parents uh, to Boulder, and I met this um, Afro-American Afri- guy, African-American guy named uh, Granville Cleveland, who was this amazing guitar player and he played with a bunch of people. He played, he knew Johnny winter who was from my hometown and he couldn't believe that Johnny and Edgar grew up, you know, a few blocks from me. And, uh, he started showing me how to play guitar 
at the pool at the hotel in Boulder, and I was like 15, and I just could play. I just like, you know, I had to work at it, but I, I mean, I could play a song, three chord song, pretty much. Right after he showed me, and I was like, "Okay, yeah, this is." He's like, "Man, you should stick with it." So I got home from that and um, got a guitar. And six months later, I had, uh, you know, quit all sports and bought a guitar and was playing in a band for girls at a party in a little country town wow. <laughs> wow and i was like this is way better than that fat redneck coach yelling at me <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly uh, well one of my favorite stories you told me before was when you were a young guitar player you played for the old, old school guys waylon jennings you met chris christopherson and then you met the legend johnny cash tell me a little bit about that story well, I had uh, I was playing this show at the Continental Club in Austin, and uh, George Strait, the big country singer, came out and saw me and said, "Hey, man, what do you think about doing this tour, opening up the Strait tour? You'll be the first band of the day. We'll get you a bus, the whole thing." So I was just giddy, and while I was out there, I met this woman named Evelyn Shriver. Um, who's a publicist in Nashville, and she I think she ran MCA Records. But she got me on a TV show with Chris, and it was this kind of, you know, very kind of square country interview show called Crook and Chase. Okay, yeah, 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 I know that show. And, uh, yeah, and so I had a song, and then there was these other two Nashville acts that, you know, were totally pop country different than me and then chris went on and then me and chris chris comes over to me he's like man i really like what you did we ended up hanging out in the back of this uh car behind the behind the opry tv station Mm -hmm. and and we we burned one (laughs) and and went ended up going to the gibson guitar factory that night which they opened up at like 11 at night Mm. And, uh, and I thought, man, this is the greatest night I'll ever have. Let me get on the plane in the morning, go back to Austin. I was on TV, you know, maybe some of my, my country relatives at the next family reunion will, right. you know, not think I'm such a weirdo because I was on uh, the country music television. Uh, <laughs> but the next morning I woke up and uh, Waylon Jennings called me and said, uh, Called me at my hotel and said, "Hey, Hoss, I cut my hand cooking with Jesse last night. And we were watching, we were watching you and Chris on that TV show. And do you want to come down to Woodland Studios and play on a few songs?" So I was like, uh, "Yeah, <laughs> I do." Uh, just stunned. My mouth was on right, the floor. Sure, sure, totally. So, like, I hang up the phone. I look at the phone for like about a minute straight. <laughs> Like, did that really happen? Right. And uh, blow off the plane. I go to Woodland Studios, knock on the door, and uh, Johnny Cash opens the door. It <laughs> says, are you going to stand there with your mouth open, or are you going to come in and play guitar? We've been waiting for you. Right. So we go in, and uh, what's cool is almost all of this first day was filmed. They had a film crew there. Mm. So if your listeners go to... YouTube and put in Jesse Dayton, Johnny Cash, Waylon Jennings. 
there's a bunch of footage of me and I look super young <laughs> and you know, I don't know shit from bean dip, man. I'm just like, just trying to play, play cool stuff and keep my mouth shut. Coach, right. but glad to be on the team. <laughs> right, right, right. And, and, uh, we ended up hanging out and then Waylon called me back and I went back in and played on his record and, uh, played all the guitar on this, uh, record called right for the time. Hmm. And uh, then that led to, you know, working with a lot of people. Um, and, you know, I think, uh, you know, it was just crazy. It was one of those meant-to-be kind of things that right. you don't, uh, you know, you don't see it coming. Right, right, right. Uh, well, one of your other friends that you've been working with and that you got into film, uh, making films, working with Rob Zombie. Tell me about uh, how you got into working with films and, and how it is working with Rob Zombie. Well, Rob's, you know, I mean, I don't use this term genius very much. I mean, people throw it around a lot, but, you know, Rob has created like his own parallel universe. I mean, it's. It's unbelievable. And his crowds now at his shows are bigger than they were when he had hit songs on the radio, mm-hmm. which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, he, uh, you know, I was I was playing around Austin and I hadn't put out a record in about two years and I was just burned out from the road. And I got a call from him. uh saying, uh, well, a good friend of mine that I grew up with is a guy named Lou Temple. And Lou Temple is an actor. And if you look up, if your fans uh, look up him, listeners look up him, they'll see, they'll go, oh yeah, I know that guy. Mm -hmm. He's like a character actor. Mm -hmm. He's in the top 5% working character actors in the, uh, in the, in SAG. Mm -hmm. And so he lives, now he lives, uh, I think he bought a house and, uh, in LA um, now, but he's there full time. But he played the part of uh, Roy Banjo in The Devil's Rejects, and mm. he's the one who told Rob about me. Mm. And Rob was like, Rob called me up, and said, "Hey, man, we're making the ultimate white trash horror movie, and I think your music would be great. We're going to make a fake record." And I was like, "What do you mean a fake record?" And he's like. Uh, it's going to be a record that we're going to have the band in the movie make. And it's going to be like on the, it's going to be the soundtrack for the record. Mm -hmm. And we're going to do it as like a lost record that we found after they were murdered. Mm -hmm. And so it was crazy, you know, it was crazy. (laughs) So, you know, and, 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 you know, universal gave us a budget and, and we put the record out and it did really well. And it was the soundtrack to the devil's rejects and, and uh, we sold a lot to his fans, uh, which I love the thing that, that uh, you know, I don't think those guys had ever had a rock star direct a movie mm-hmm. before. Right. Because um, I don't think the, the studios realized that, hey, uh, this is when DVDs are still selling. Mm-hmm. So right. I don't think they realized that, like, you know, if he sold 10 million records, he's probably going to. You know, a lot of sell a lot of DVDs. So he did really well, uh, and with that movie. And then I ended up doing um, this Halloween two movie with him, and I was in that, mm-hmm. and I did a soundtrack for that as well. 
and that was awesome because he 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 put me as a uh, this psychobilly uh murderer like band leader mm-hmm. and uh you know, you know it was just stuff that you think about like when you're when you're a kid and you're watching Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, on <laughs> right. Saturday night, you're like, one day I'm going to be in one of these. Right, right, right. Uh, <laughs> and the film did really well. Um, and I ended up doing some more stuff. you know, And I ended up actually going on tour as the band from that movie with Rob, right. which was crazy. Right. And we went, we went out and played. I think we had like 40 minutes a night. And we would go out and do all the songs from the movie, mm-hmm. and the crowd knew the movie, so it was awesome. Right? <laughs> they were like, "Oh my god, this is where we, this is where that music's from. It's yeah. These guys." Right. Right. And uh, and I I wrote all the songs, so that that ended up doing well too. And I did some songs for an animated film, and you know he he you know helped me direct a some videos for it and the videos, some of the videos went viral and, and, uh, it was a big, you know, big boost to my career. Cause it kind of got me into that whole thing. Mm, right. Right. And, um, you know, then I ended up doing a little B creature feature, um, movie with, that I wrote and directed right. and with Malcolm McDowell and we, Zombex, and right? we yeah. And we sold it. Uh, it was crazy. Everyone's like, "You sold it!" <laughs> like that was the biggest deal of yeah. the whole thing. Not not writing it, not making it, right. not uh, not you know selling your soul to the devil right. for the money for the to make it. Uh, they were like, "You sold it!" Right. So right. Uh, it was good, man. And and uh, so I've been real fortunate. I've got to do a bunch of different stuff. You know, I just I'm I'm doing some TV stuff now and. And, uh, and it's fun, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff out there right now, you know, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of different outlets now in this, uh, crazy net Netflix world we live in. <laughs> exactly. Are you, are you planning on directing some TV then coming up or? No, no, I'm going to, um, I'm doing some music. Okay. Um, and, um, and then I'm supposed to go to, after we do these tours, I'm supposed to go to Canada and act in this film. I did this uh, little film out of Austin called Two Step, and it did really good, man. It uh, the uh, director and writer's name's Alex Johnson. He just signed a deal with uh, Paramount to do his next movie. Hmm. But uh, I play—I know this is going to shock you—but I play a white trash biker, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, and uh, named Bobby. Bobby, and, uh, Bobby, him, Bobby, <laughs> and uh, I was like, we were laughing. There's no way you can not say Bobby once you say it like that right. one time. <laughs> exactly, you're, you're damned. Exactly. Uh, but uh, so that kind of helped, you know, get some other stuff going and the Rob thing. And uh, I tell you, man, acting's a uh, it's a lot more fun than uh, running the whole show. <laughs> right, right, right. You just show up and do your deal and. Maybe hang out in the trailer and play guitar and leave. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you seem like you're you're a performer, especially if you're doing music or acting or whatever you're doing. You seem like you're always comfortable in your own skin, and that comes across in anything you do. Um, why is that? You think? I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I you know, I've always been a kind of enamored. Uh, I've always liked show business and I know that sounds kind of showy and, and 
you know, not, uh, you know, the most soulful thing to say, but I've always liked, I've always been a total movie geek. I mean, I watch more movies and, you know, I read and, and, and I'm, I'm a real student of, you know, um, just performing in general. I got to do some theater and that really changed my life. And, you know, your best, I mean, for me, just being the best version of you when you act is kind of the whole kicker on the deal. You know, um, I don't really, you know, most of my favorite actors are still the same guys in every role. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it's the same thing with playing guitar, you know, and singing, like you go up there and you do what you do and, you know, it's not even a matter of keeping your blinders on anymore. You just kind of, it's kind of like putting your, you know, hanging your ass out the window and pulling your pants down and going, Hey everybody, um, hope you dig this. Right, 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 right. Um, the worst thing that's going to happen is you'll fail miserably. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that, you know, after you spend a lot of time on different stages and, you know, and it's just uh, kind of that Malcolm, uh, what's that guy's name who wrote The Outlier? It's that 10,000 hours thing. You mm-hmm. know what right, I mean? Right, right, right. The more you keep doing it, the, the better you become. Yeah, you know, you come, become less inhibited. And, right, right. You know, you just want to do what's best for whatever you're working on, you right. know, and, and uh, you know, I've always been about that. I could uh, care less where the idea comes from. Let's 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 do the best one, you right. know. Right. And um, but yeah, I I and I you know I think that uh, you know when I was younger, I got signed to a, a major label, and I lived out in California for a couple of years, and 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 had a nice house in in L.A. and and uh, and I really enjoyed it. I got a lot of friends. I'm actually pretty defensive of people when they say negative things about Los Angeles because I love it so much. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, uh, you know, being out there, um, it's amazing all the organic relationships that I just had because we were hanging out at the whiskey bar or we were hanging out whatever. And I remember that person was a personal assistant and now she's running the company <laughs> right right exactly <laughs> you know what i mean yeah right and uh and i think you know i always tell you know these guys that i work with you know if they call me they're like hey man the, this guy wants my song for this show or i'm like get a lawyer dude <laughs> get <laughs> it's the best money you ever spent right. in your life right um but i learned all that stuff when i was mm. out there and I made all these great um, friendships that, you know, some of them are work relationships and some of them are, are both and mm-hmm. some of them are not. And, and um, you know, that's I think that's they can sense that, hey, if we get this guy, he is going to be comfortable in his own skin. Mm-hmm. He's going to show up and this is what we're getting him for. Right, you right, know? right. So where, where, where can we find uh, your website, your new album, and, uh, and your tour dates? Well, um, the Revealer is the new record, and it's doing really good on the Americana charts. We're going to be entering top ten, hopefully pretty soon. And um, it, you just go to jessedayton.com, or you can go to the label 
that distributes my label, which is this Blue Elan Records, B-L-U-E-E-L-A-N records.com. Um, or you can just download it. You know, you can go to iTunes and just download the new Revealer record and, uh, you know, never a dull moment. It's a good record. in the kitchen on Sunday after church She's humming along with the gospel station on the radio while she works And through the house you could hear that voice to the front porch swing You could hear choke up when the preacher mentioned Martin Luther King It was a beautiful thing a beautiful thing.